Welcome, welcome, welcome to With The Flow With Me, Sherm C, where we do everything aligned with the vibe and with the flow we're on right now. Um, welcome to the first episode. I appreciate you for tuning in and listening. I try not to take up too much of your time, but hey, we here for the hype and we stay for the content. But on this episode, I really just want to get y'all to know me and get to know who I am, how I got to where I got to, um, how I became the person I am today and who I used to be. So originally I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, born July 13th, 1996, 90s baby. As a kid, like especially around middle school I was real chubby I didn't really have too much like self-confidence I really wasn't in tune with myself like I should have been I played sports um and I always had knee problems bone problems I just always had issues with my lower body my mom is amazing she's my superhero she's my rock but she did coddle me as a child. She made me comfortable with her picking me up as, as many times as I fell down. She was always there for me. And that kind of hindered me growing up. But I learned from it. And I realized it early on so I could combat it. Um, my dad was cool. My dad is cool. He tried to be there for me. And he did his best from, you know, in retrospect, looking back on it. He really did his best as a single father and really a guy that was still trying to figure it out on his own he really would try to be there for me especially financially and make a way and try to give me the tools and the mindset for success that he wished somebody gave him growing up and I feel like that's what parenting is all about um but our relationship wasn't super positive for me and I ended up resenting him as I grew up especially around that high school age where I feel like all these other guys got their dads in their life their dads are their coach and my dad you know I don't talk to my dad but once every two weeks but I realized that that wasn't the best course of action I didn't really need to feel that way about any human being and I later on forgave him and I told him that and it really cleared up a lot of space for me and my mentality Um, but in high school I loved baseball baseball was my it was my my bread and butter it was what I thought about what I dreamed about what I did on a daily basis it was my thing in high school and I dreamed of being the best second base shortstop combo for the New York Yankees, right? I was I was gonna make it. I, I, it was either I play in the MLB or I don't do anything. I didn't have another option. I didn't have you know school wasn't my. I was good in school, but I didn't necessarily like school. Learning wasn't a. It didn't bring me joy. But when I was on the baseball field, it was it was all fun and games. I was good. You know, I was on varsity by the time I hit my sophomore year. But then. Early on in my sophomore year, I did get diagnosed with a condition called leg calf perthes disease. And what it is that over time, the ball and socket joint of your hip deteriorates over time. And at 14 years old, y'all, at 14 years old, my doctor told me that I would need a total hip replacement in four years. So by the time I'm 18, I don't need a total hip replacement. I looked him square in his eyes and I told him I wouldn't need a hip replacement. I will run again, I will play baseball again, and I will definitely be able to enjoy the activities with my kids. Because this was a caveat to the hip replacement. He said, okay, you can you can either let it play out and then get a hip replacement once it gives out on you, or you can get a hip replacement now. But once you get that hip replacement, the only thing that you won't be able to do is run. I said, bro, I plan on being a five-star athlete. I need to be able to run. I plan on my kids playing sports. I need to be able to run with them. You know, so I made up in my mind right then and there, I'm not, I'm not going to let this condition define me. 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a way to make that condition work for me. And it did, y'all. It really did. It turned out for the better. But on my own, at 14 years old, I started my own physical therapy because I didn't want my mom to have to pay for physical therapy. And I didn't really want somebody to, I didn't want to go to physical therapy only for them to say, hey, we can't really do much. You're probably going to need a, a hip replacement. Man, I'm going to do this on my own. Um, and my physical therapy, I, I did my research. I always delve into my research. When I get into something, I get deep into it. I fall down that rabbit hole easily. Um, my physical therapy was structured around flexibility and getting my two sides equal because my left lower half was a lot stronger than my right lower half because when the disease first had its onset, I was really weak. I couldn't put too much weight on my right hip. Um, but from that point on, I said, you know what, I'm going to be able to squat, I'm going to be able to lunge, I'm going to be able to you know, sit down with both legs and be able to put my socks on. It's little things like that that I couldn't do. That I say, you know what, one day I'll be able to do this. And, and it would hurt as I'm doing it. But I'm like, you know what, it has to be normal at some point. And I started doing that. Things started changing. I started to see that, oh, I'm walking more regular, right? Because I would get picked on at school about, you know, limping and all this, that, and the third. And me and my mom would go through different solutions and different things try different things to try and get this leg back right you know and what worked for me was I ended up getting a shoe lift put in my shoe um and I can switch it out from shoe to shoe and and really nobody knows this because I've never had the courage or the inspiration to tell anybody about this I've always felt like you know this this was something that would hinder me people would look down on me because of my condition or whatever and I never really wanted it to be something that people could hold over my head or that would make me different or that would limit me from doing certain things but yeah so the shoe lift thing ended up working out um I took on a persona then when I started my physical therapy and I was going through at the age of 14 I took on this persona that I would help people in whatever I did and I would never ever ever belittle anyone for any physical or mental condition because I've been there you know I've been that person who was who was bullied and I went home feeling less than myself because I was I felt like I was different than other people in school and I couldn't do what I loved I couldn't play baseball no more because I wasn't performing like I used to on the field because I got a bum right hip you know and coach not trying to hear that he's trying to win games he's trying to keep his job ever since then that kind of lit a fire in me and gave me an interest for health and made me want to help others in their health journey. So what happened was, and this is a process, I started working out on my own. We lived in an apartment and an apartment complex had a gym in it. And I started working out and my cousin who was at the time overweight and she really wanted to get started on her health journey too she would come over and use our gym because it was free and at the time and you know we could go in there we had weights we had treadmills ellipticals we had whatever we needed in that gym and we could really learn and figure our bodies out at the time and to this day she works out probably more than me um regularly and she's really been a, a huge inspiration as far as being a, a single mom for parts of my life and being that big cousin that gave me a mother figure so my mom didn't have to all the time. You know, she would pick me up from school and we would go work out. Or she would pick me up from school and we would decide on what to eat for me and my cousins, her daughters. And it would be a place that's healthier than what we normally eat. You know, something that's not super greasy, that's not beef and red meat. You know, just making those conscious decisions on the daily. And that really helped 
ingrained in me those conscious decisions of making sure you're what you know you're conscious of what you're putting into your body um but fast forward through high school you know senior year it was time to or really end of junior year it's time to start applying for college I had no earthly idea on what college I wanted to go to y'all I didn't know what I wanted to study I didn't even know if I wanted to go to college. I really didn't have any ambition to go to college. College wasn't, because like I told you, it was go to the MLB or do nothing. And I really didn't have a plan B. You know, everybody say, you know, sports can't be your only thing, blah, blah, blah. But what happened is my life forced me to create a plan B on the fly. And that plan B was, okay, get into school. Because my mom is a principal, backstory. My mom's a principal. She's always pushed school on me. She's always been... A, B students, C's are failing, right? I, like I said, I didn't want to go. My mom said, hey, you're going to school. Like, figure out what school you're going to, you're going to school. So at that time, I started thinking of schools. And at the time, my favorite college football team was Georgia Tech. The Georgia Tech um, Yellow Jackets. And I said, mom, I want to I wanna go to Georgia Tech for electrical engineering. You know, I really want to go to Georgia Tech because I feel like I can do that. And I really want to go for electrical engineering. She said, okay, well, do it then. You know, apply. Go ahead and do it. And make it happen. So, and I was also good with math. So, during free application week, sent out all these applications, applied to whatever. And one of the applications I sent, though, was NC State. And my personal essay was about two things. It was about my mother's influence on my life and how much she helped me in like really guided me and had that unconditional love you know that I never had before but she gave it to me right and also about leg calf perpies and how it's affected me for the worse and for the better and how it shaped my perspective on life you know after everything had been said and done you know this is four years in I don't kind of learn how to deal with it I'm still self-conscious about it or subconscious about it but I've learned how to cope with it in a lot of different ways. But I didn't have the accolades to get in the state. And to this day, if you ask me how I got in the state, I say by the grace of God. Because I really did not have, I had a 4.6 weighted GPA. You know, my mom pushed AP classes. Go ahead and get in those AP classes. You know, even if you get a C, it's like an A. You know, it'll, it'll boost your GPA at some point. So start taking AP stats, AP um, calculus, AB, and a push did well and those up my GPA and I, I honestly think that in my personal essay is the one to two reasons I got into NC State but I somehow got in go pack you know what I'm saying um but college really shaped me I met some life friends I, I met some of my forever people in college some of the, the guys and girls that I will never let exit my life in some capacity or another and I became more open-minded through my experiences and through the people that I met I also had a lot of firsts. Man, college was a lot. I had a lot of first concerts, festivals, them drunk nights, them house party. I've been to lakes with boats. Uh, ain't none of my friends with Charlotte got no boats, man. I ain't never been on no boat. I got to drive a boat. Shout out to my boy Alex. We got to, we got to drive a boat. I've never been to a marina where they where they dock the boats. I've never seen that. I had never seen anything man, like that. It was crazy. But going into college, I didn't really know what I wanted to major in. Like I said, I didn't get to the College of Engineering because of NC State. I'm, I'm not an engineering student. I just didn't get in. So I started in the College of Business. 
and I hated it. The only classes I got C's in were my business classes. I didn't feel like I was learning anything. I felt like everybody acted the same. It just wasn't, it wasn't for me. And one thing about me is I really don't stick around for anything I don't care for. I'll find another way. I'll find another major. I'll find a minor. I'll find another college if I need to. But I'm not sticking here if I'm going to be miserable for the next four years. So I started really deciding and thinking about what it is that I like. What do I enjoy? What is my passion? What will I do to help people on a daily basis? And what I came up with is nutrition. And it stemmed back to me being, you know, this 14-year-old kid who didn't really know anything about nutrition that was hurting every day. And I said, okay, one way I'm going to change my life is through my diet. And so I ended up switching my major to nutrition science. And that really reignited that drive to help people because I realized a lot of people don't know what they're putting in their body and they really don't care. And one way you can do better is if you know better. That's really the only way you can do better is if you know better. Um, but I got into nutrition science and I really liked it. I really liked my professors. You know, shout out to Mark Beatty, Dr. G, Dr. Cook. Shout out to my K. Once I got my degree and started job hunting, I learned that they didn't really teach me how to do anything with the knowledge that I acquired. So now I had this piece of paper that said that, okay, you know a lot about nutrition science. You know a lot about how food works in the body on a molecular level. But ain't nobody going to pay you for what you know. People pay you for what you do with what you know. So fast forward through college, all the fun nights, all the, all the crying, all the tears, all the calling my mama after test. And, you know, made it through college. Got that piece of paper. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm finished for a while. I'm, I'm schooled out. I'm tired of reading. I'm tired of being locked up in this dorm room. I'm tired of not having no money. I'm going to go get a job, right? So after college and, well, really through my last semester in college and after college, I worked different jobs. You know, I just had a, a bunch of different jobs, different things to, wait, uh, to make money. And so I, I went back home after I graduated in Raleigh, went back home to Charlotte, because I said, you know what, I'm going to graduate, I'm going to get a job in Charlotte, I'm going to be there for my family, I'm going to be able to hang around my cousins, and my aunts, and my uncles, and my mom, and my dad, and my grandma, and my grandpa, and none of that happened, like, got back to Charlotte, couldn't find a job, my mom was harping on me about finding a job, I couldn't give her no money, took more rent, and I'm staying there, she cooking, you know, I'm cleaning while she's at work, but I'm staying at home all day, and you know, honestly, when you're searching for a job and you're at home all day, you don't want to just sit at home and search for a job. You might want to put in those applications and, and chill. But it's, it's your responsibility to look for those jobs. And I didn't want that responsibility. And I also didn't want somebody checking me every day about the responsibility. So what did I do? I moved out. <laughs> I got me two duffel bags. And my girlfriend at the time, Tierra, who's now my fiance took those to her apartment in Greensboro because she was in grad school and she was like you know what you can come stay up here if you need to right it started off temporary turned into something more permanent we stayed together for years it was supposed to be for a couple months until I got on my feet and was able to move out but a couple months isn't enough time to start a whole new life in a whole new city and I didn't realize that um but I moved up there to Greensboro she was at school at A&T go Aggies what's up Aggies and she was up there, and this is, so, and I moved up there with her. Now, the two years after 
I graduated college, right? I moved up there. I said, I'm going to make some shape. I got to make some shape. It's time for me to grow up. It's time for me to be a man. I'm starting to depend on people. I'm trying to ask people for help. I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to make some shape. So two years after I graduated college, I worked anything and everything I could, especially up here in Greensboro. I ain't got no connections. I'm on Indeed all day long. I'm just swiping anything you can apply for through the Indeed app. I'm swiping. And then I go back through and I go to everything you can apply for through the company's website. I'm uploading. I got a little system. Got my resume pulled up. Got my cover letters pulled up. Um, I'm, you know, I'm doing it. I'm applying to 50 plus 100 jobs a day, you know. And I just got tired of all the no's and all the, well, we saw your application, but we found a client and the position's already been filled. You know, I'm, I'm tired of that. Don't have me apply for thousands of jobs this week and not get one yes, not get one interview, not get one call back. You know, it was just frustrating. So finally, after about two months, I would say after about two months, because I moved up to Greensboro in July, about September, got a call back from a call center. Right. I said, yo, and at the time, my biggest thing was customer service. That was a skill that I felt like I had, customer service. And now that I'm learning things, I've learned that customer service isn't a skill. Customer service is a characteristic. That's a trait, being nice to people. That's all customer service is. Um, and I got a job at a call center. I hated it. I got a job in the cafeteria with the school system, serving kids meals. I thought I would like that because it was in my field. It was in nutrition. I really didn't like that. Um, And while I was doing both of those jobs, they weren't making me enough money. So I was Ubering. I was driving for Lyft, Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, you name it. I did it. If I could do it with my car and make money, I did it. And I hated it because, one, it was putting more wear and tear on my car than I was making. But it was putting food in my belly. So, you know, and at the time, my whole thing was if something were to happen to my car, I can't pay to get it fixed. So now I can't pay to get to work. I mean, now I can't get to work. I got a broken car that I got to get money for. And I can't make no money using my car. So I was, so I chilled out on the Uber and I spent a couple months in the school system working in that cafeteria and boom. Just like that, Corona hit, hit the world, man. Swept the world by surprise. They took all the kids out of school. So now I'm sitting in job purgatory where I'm like, okay, do I have a job? Do I not have a job? Are we coming back anytime soon? You know, what's up? Um, so school wasn't in session, but I took the initiative. I took that first step. I emailed the department head of Guilford County School Nutrition. And I said, look, wherever you need me, if you have hours, I don't care if it's at 10 different schools a week. If you have hours, I'm there because I need the money. I didn't tell I need the money, but I needed the money. And I told her, if you have any opportunity, I need to be in there. I need my name to be towards the top of the list of people you call for openings or when somebody calls out or whatever it may be. And she told me, you know what? We might have something for you. And she sent me to a high school where we delivered meals to children five days a week. And I actually loved that part of it. It wasn't me standing in a cafeteria with six old black women serving, you know, beans and unsalted green beans and these kids not knowing what they want and kids coming through the line yelling. It wasn't none of that. It was me on the bus with four other people and it would be kids with boxes. And these kids knew that this would be probably their only meal of the day because their parents were at work. 
or you know their parents really might not have had it we were going to low-income neighborhoods and, and handing these meals out to kids because every kid almost in Guilford County gets free lunch which is something that is amazing that's an amazing statistic to me meaning that people are living as a as a whole as a city below poverty level to the point where you can't afford to buy reduced lunch and that says something really prominent about our government but that's another topic for another video or for another podcast but I loved it I was doing something where I was helping people people depending on me and I was influencing kids' health by giving them a meal with all the components they needed. It was it was the dream come true, man. Um, but <laughs> it wasn't paying enough, and the hours weren't consistent, and it was I was working too hard and doing too much for the pay. So I got another job, and that's when things really, really, really started to change for me, and are changing for me, because um, I got a job working security, and on this job. The biggest thing that I benefit from isn't the pay. The pay is less than when I was working at Guilford County. But I have time and I have opportunity to work on myself and also work on another source of income while also making money that's paying my bills. It's a a triple whammy. And this dude at my job, right, first day on the job, I see him at the computer. He just got all these charts up. He got all these charts, all these graphs. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? He like forex. I'm like, you should tap into it. He said, this, this the money, this the wave of the future. You really should tap into it, see if you like it or whatever. And you know, I take every opinion with a grain of salt, but I'm, I'm going to go look at it. If I say I'm gonna go look at it, I'll at least go look at it. So I researched it, and when I looked at it, it seems simple, not easy, but it really seems simple for me. It's a 50% chance you win. Um, you don't have to have a, a huge setup cost, and it's really just an analytical skill that can be learned through repetition. That's how I looked at it. So you're analyzing these charts, you're reading these charts, and you're predicting based off your analysis skills that you've learned and perfected over time what price is going to do. So at that time, I'm working security at nights, and I'm trading forex by day, and that really allowed me to also work on my mindset. So I started reading a book. And the first book I kind of read was a book that's been mentioned to me and recommended to me over time, but I never picked it up. I never, you know, took the time to look at the book and it's called Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. One of the best reads I've ever had because I used to love reading as a child. Reading used to be my pastime until I got to about seventh grade and I really did not pick up a book after seven grade, a book that wasn't uh, required reading. Um, but that really started to change things. I started reading this book and it started, I started realizing things that I had already been doing or already seen, I just didn't know it. And it really changed my mindset. And it really, in my mindset, when I changed my mindset, my actions followed. And it, it changed all of that for the better. I started focusing on the positive things in my life, started focusing on the positive thoughts in my mind. And I started eliminating all the negativity. Or the negativity would eliminate itself. The book really kickstarted all that. It was a catalyst to all of that. And I began to write my goals down. I'd never done this before. Everybody always told me this. You know, put your goals on paper. And, you know, it, it kind of holds you accountable. And I really started to achieve my goals. When I wrote them down, and I read them every day. And I started taking actions, daily actions, hourly actions to reach my goals. 
that I started get, taking steps to achieving it and I started getting into a better place mentally, physically, emotionally, all of that. And now I'm starting a podcast. I was always said, you know, it was always a saying. It was always a thought. It was always an idea. I want to start a podcast. I got a lot to talk about. You know, I got a lot of knowledge. I got a lot of experience. I want to talk about it to somebody. But I was looking for somebody else to kickstart that. I was looking for somebody to say, hey, I started this podcast. You want to be on it? I said, yes, sir. You know, I got, I got whatever you want to talk about. I can talk about it. But it really took me saying, bro, start your own podcast. Talk to yourself. You talk to yourself a lot. You talk to yourself a lot. Just do that on a podcast. Over time, eventually, people going to come. The people that are supposed to gravitate towards your podcast will. The people that are supposed to tell that's going to then gravitate towards your podcast will. And these people will find value in you saying things that happen in your life, things that happen to you, things that you think about on a daily basis, things that you talk to yourself about over and over and over again, but you've never really talked to anyone else about it. You've never given anyone else that that knowledge and that sauce. I really call it sauce. I got a lot of sauce in life. It's a lot of things I know that a lot of people haven't come to the realizations about, and I'm willing to help you see that, honestly. But I started this podcast, and I'm really here to get people exposure, especially the people that are taking on new opportunities, people starting up their own businesses, people that have been through something and are doing things until they achieve them, and they won't quit at any cost. You know, I really want to put these people on this podcast and get people to see it's other people out here that think like this. It's other people out here who grind like this. It's other people out here who are on this wave. Come catch the wave. You know, come catch this energy. Go with the flow. Come with our flow. You know, um, and I'm really trying to put everybody on this mindset. Put everybody on what the book and the successful people in life call money consciousness. I like to call it success energy because you can apply it to more than just getting money. You can apply it to being happy. You can apply it to being in a successful relationship, to, you know, having good kids, raising a good child. Um, but it's really a mindset. It's a success and it's an energy. Um, but the five things that I feel like in the most simplest level embody success energy is one, being grateful for what you have. For what you're doing right now not for the things that you want not for the things that somebody might get you but the things that you have right now whether that be a tv a bed and a dresser or a cell phone a car and a watch or nothing or you know a life a body two working legs a brain that works you know that doesn't suffer from any mental illnesses like be thankful like and I mean really thankful grateful for those things because you don't have to have those things you're blessed with those things but being grateful for those things that I feel like that's a, a huge part that's almost number one that's one a for me um next would be being clear in what you want being clear and definite with knowing what you want whether that be an amount of money and putting it as, as detailed as you can. So saying I want more money isn't a, a good enough goal. That's not something you can hold yourself to. Saying I want $28,000 by December 25th, doing this, that, and the third, this is what I'm willing to give up. And I won't stop at any cost until I get that or somewhere near that. I won't stop until I get that amount of money or until that date comes. 
you know and those are the types of goals that I mean setting definite goals that you can hold yourself to that you can fill yourself up with so in the morning when you don't feel like getting up and going to work you say hey I got this goal to pay my mama back $50 every week and I need to get this raise in my job so I can't call out you know but setting those goals making them clear making them definite and knowing exactly what you want next is happiness this is uh to me the simplest step to it being happy finding no reason at all to be happy and being happy being happy because you exist being happy because you woke up today being happy because you have people in your life that want to talk to you being happy because you ate yesterday being happy because you know you're gonna eat today being happy because you have an instagram you have a twitter you have a facebook you just being happy being happy that you can go outside when you want to just being happy for no reason that's really and that really will change and that's something that you have to work on it's simple i never said it's easy it's simple though that's something that you really have to work on on a daily basis because there are going to be things that make you mad i mean we're human you know there's going to be things that come into your life and they really upset you but you really have to take a step back take over your mental capacity and tell it no I'm going to think positive thoughts. I'm going to find a way to turn this into a positive situation or a positive light for me and my mental, even if other people can't see it that way. But yeah, being happy. Four would be persistence towards those goals. So those definite goals, those definite clear-cut goals that you set, being able to say, I'm either going to achieve it and that's it. My only option is achieving it. My only option is success. The only way you get to success is by not stopping. A lot of people take temporary failure for permanent defeat. A lot of people take temporary failure for permanent defeat. You are going to fall down. Only way you learn how to run is by falling down when you started walking. And that's the only way. Nobody held you up and moved each leg at a time because you can't strengthen your leg muscles like that. You had to fall and get back up, try again and fall and get back up. And even when they get up and moving, they wobbling. It's not perfect. You know, they might get excited and run to their mama, but by the time they get to their mama, they falling over because they forgot that they got to hold themselves up. It's the same thing in anything you do in life, whether it be college, whether it be relationships. That's why I don't like the traditional form of schooling, but that's a different topic for a different podcast. But we got topics rolling out the water right now. I like it. But that persistence, that unwavering dedication, that's going to reach your goals. That right there is what's going to get you that million dollars. Because you're going to stop at 10,000 because it's hard. You're going to stop at 500 because it's hard. You're going to stop at 90000 because it got a little bit more difficult because you hit a wrench in the road. Keep going. At all costs, keep going. At all costs, keep going. Don't stop because once you stop, you give defeat over. It's a story about a guy who was uh, mining for gold. He, he was mining for gold for a long, 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 long time. And he quit because he said, you know what? I must have got all the gold out of here. Must not be no more gold. I've been mining for this long. There must not be no more gold. I'm giving up. Right, and then somebody came right behind him and chiseled one more time, struck the gold mine. 
So had he kept going for that extra 2%, that extra 3%, that extra 10%, had he woke up the next morning and said, you know what, I'm just going to go just because. I'm just going to show up. I'm not even going to do that. I'm just going to show up. And he would have hit that goal mine, but what did he do? He gave up. One step short of his goal, he gave up. But persistence. You got to have that dedication. And lastly, it's developing that self-confidence that allows you to really believe that you can achieve the goal you set. That's step 1B for me. And I said it last because that's the one I really want to hold into your mind. I really want that to be the thing that you like. That's what I want to work on. If you don't work on none of these other steps, work on that. Work on self-confidence. Work on telling yourself you can do anything until you start to believe it. Even if you don't believe it now, tell yourself it. Wake up in the morning and say, hey, my first name, you can do anything. You can do anything you set your mind to and you won't stop until you achieve it. Say that out loud to yourself or look at yourself in the mirror. And over time, I would say give it two weeks. Over two weeks, you'll begin to believe it. And you'll start having that confidence to talk to these people. You'll start having that confidence to make that phone call. Start having that confidence to show up at work with a good attitude. Show up and show out. You know, that's that's the confidence that you got to have. Um, and to know that no goal is too large for you. What's, what's a million dollars to me when I can achieve a billion? You know, what's a million dollars when... When I can get a trillion, when I can get 1.5, when I can get, you know, why sell myself short when I can shoot much higher than that? Um, but yeah, and that pers- back to that persistence piece. Let's say your goal is to graduate college, because I really want to put this in perspective for y'all. If you say my goal is to graduate college, the only two options you have are either graduate college or die. And some people going to hear that and they're going to say, whoa, Sharon, you know, die. that's a little drastic. And it is drastic, but that's really the mentality you have to be in to not give yourself any alternative, to not give yourself any excuses, to not give yourself, you know, because if you fail, you fail because you quit. You didn't fail because you weren't good enough. And you are powerful beyond measure. You can do anything. So the things that you fail at that you don't do is because you quit, because you gave up. If you don't quit, you succeed at anything. If you keep going, if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep on keeping on, like I like to say it. If you keep on keeping on, you cannot quit. I mean, you cannot fail. It's impossible. But currently in my life, I'm happy. I'm really happy. I've I've developed a mindset that thrives off of happiness and it thrives off of other people being happy and helping other people be happy i have an amazing fiance tiara the one that i came up here to stay with amazing she's a second grade teacher she's just she's just great like you know i don't really have a reason that she's great she's just great um i love my job i help somebody every day I learn something new every day, and I'm striving to spread positivity. Like, that's really a, one of my main goals, just to get someone besides me to be this positive about life. Positivity and wealth, because wealth is more than just money. And I feel like that's a key lesson in life. Wealth is a lot more than just money, because money isn't important. Money is a thing. You can't lead this earth with money. Just like nobody's going to remember you by how much money you had or how much that watch costs, how much that Ferrari costs. Ain't nobody gonna remember that in 10 years after your death. 
They're going to remember what you said to them. They're going to remember how you treated other people. So focus on those things. But all in all, I hope you really enjoyed this podcast and getting to know me a little bit. You know, getting to delve in a little bit inside my mindset and getting to see a taste of what's yet to come. But as always, it's me, Sherm C, signing out and saying keep learning, keep grinding, and help somebody some way today. I'll see y'all on the next one. Be easy.